Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods. Bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Anyway, welcome you into Full Slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by my NFL partner in crime, Alex Uplinger, at Alex underscore up seven, and manages our podcast account at full underscore slate underscore pod. NFL week. Five is upon us as we are at the quarter turn of the NFL season. Baseball playoffs getting started. NHL, NBA regular seasons will be here before we know it. It's a fun time of year in sports, Alex. What's going on, my man? What's up, buddy? How are we doing? We we might have just witnessed one of the worst. NFL I was going to say, I'm doing better than Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, my God. I don't even know where to place the blame because – the play calling was terrible, but the execution was arguably worse. I, I mean, he, I had listen. Like, if he hits KJ Hamler wide open in the end zone, they get out of there with a win. Yep, and a, a push on my Broncos minus three, which is what which I was I reading. The right side, time. honestly. Like, it, yeah, get like, get the fuck out of here. If you had the Colts, don't come and tell me that was the right side. That was the wrong side for ninety nine percent of the game. If the field goal doesn't get blocked, then they're up three, and then they're way more conservative. They kick another field goal. Then the Colts have to drive the entire field and score a touchdown, which they weren't doing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that game was there for the Broncos to take time and time again, and they just didn't do it. And I still don't think do the Colts fault good, the, but... Do you fault the call for not kicking to tie the game? Because I don't. I think the right call no, is to No, I, I don't it, because... Then I you're playing the play for a tie, call. and Hackett's getting crushed, right? right? Yeah, yeah, he'd be 
fucking massacred everywhere. I think it was the right call to go for it, but I think the play call is fucking terrible. They just ran the ball successfully, you know, like the entire field. And then and then they take, you know, obviously let Russ cook. He's been getting crushed for that field goal call where they took the ball out of Russ's hands. Now he right. feels inclined to give him the ball in that fourth and one. But no, just sneak it or just run the ball. Fourth and one. And obviously, yeah, if he sees Hamler, he doesn't even look through a second read. He's staring down something the entire time. Right. It was incomplete. Hamler's wide open for the touchdown. But before that, just run the fucking ball. Get one yard, and then you're probably going to win the game. Yeah, pretty much. So Denver falls to two and three, and Indianapolis is a very ugly two, two, and one. And let's get started in our week five rotation with Nathaniel Hackett's old team, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, are, I guess, the home team here as this is a London game. Uh, the fans across the pond getting another clash uh, between, uh, at least they're seeing another NFC North team after seeing the Vikings win last week. It's the Green Bay Packers laying seven and the hook against the New York Giants, total of 41. Alex, what is going on with the New York Giants quarterback situation this week? I know you're always... Uh, coming with the injury reports. So what do we know about the Giants quarterback situation with Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor? Seems like Davis Webb could make his the start here. And I do want to get there and lay the points with Green Bay coming off of a less than stellar outing last week against New England. But I don't know that I'm going to on the hunch that this Giants team mucks another game up. And this is where we see that point spread always kind of allow the back door to stay open for the Giants or for this to just be a low-scoring game as evidenced by the 41 total. So talk to me about the Giants quarterback situation, and I know you're going to use this game in a parlay. Yeah, so it looks like Jones was limited in practice today and Tyrod Taylor did not practice with a concussion, so – Recording on Thursday, there's no way he's going to be a go. So it's a hobbled Daniel Jones or it's Davis Webb, as you mentioned. I think either way, you have to look to the Packers, even if it is Daniel Jones. We saw him come back in the game last week. Granted, they didn't even put him under center. They just had him lining up out wide at wide receiver and just running the Wildcat. So that's obviously an indication that, He's not remotely ready. If he can't even, you know, drop back and hand the ball off, I don't know what we're doing. I think it would be a mistake to start an injured Jones over a healthy web for what that's worth. I did the absolute squarest thing. I'm playing the <laughs> Packers money line and the Jags money line parlay. It was like minus 150. I fucking hate it, but they're they're both going to win the game. This is definitely a spot if you want to tease, get the Packers down to two, and then you know pick your pick your other leg that you would like. Yeah, and maybe go ahead and and, and use the Jags. We'll get to that game a little bit later. But uh, one game that I don't think is worth teasing is this game in Western New York as we head back stateside. Pittsburgh traveling to Buffalo, catching 14, 14 and a half at some shops. Total of 46, it'll be the first start for Kenny Pickett. And Alex, just first off, 
as a Steelers fan before we get into the Bills side of the equation. I just want to get your thoughts as a Steelers fan on listen, I know Tomlin we like and, and on this pod we love, we preach underdog Tomlin, but I thought he mismanaged this situation. I thought given the extra time to prepare for the New York Jets with the game being at home, that was the spot coming off the week three lifeless outing in Cleveland on a Thursday night. Last week was a spot where you could have gone to pick it and it would have made a ton of sense. And if you were one start away from making the change from Trubisky to Pickett, it would have made a lot more sense, in my opinion, to have just gone with Pickett last week, had a full week to get ready for the Jets. And in the standings, too, maybe you win the game last week if you do that, given it ended up being a pretty competitive game against Gang Green. So just your thoughts on this situation. I know the Steelers usually are trustworthy enough to get the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know that they got this one right just as far as the timing. I completely agree. Uh, you know, we we absolutely love Tomlin on this podcast. We love Tomlin as an underdog. We love Tomlin especially as a divisional dog. But, no, he completely, absolutely fucked this up. It's absolutely embarrassing that he would shoot down even the suggestion Just that it so should be fast in, I mean, in, the, in the press conference after losing yeah. that fucking lifeless game, and you just completely shut down the idea. Don't even consider it. So once you've made that stance, then you're done. You have to commit to him. Right. And then what do they do? At halftime, they fucking go to pick it. Of course. But no, it, you're completely right. Why don't you do that from the start? Leave it open-ended after that Cleveland press conference, you know, we'll evaluate whatever, say all that bullshit, we'll evaluate And you return to practice with Pickett as your QB1. Yes, exactly. That is the spot to put him in to start. No, now we're going to start him in his first true start on the road in Buffalo as two touchdown underdogs? It it couldn't have been managed more poorly. Yeah, and again, I'm glad that you agree there because at the beginning of the week, I thought, geez, Steelers catching all those points, as we say, underdog Tomlin, uh, you know, Steelers defense. But again, it's still a defense down T.J. Watt Steelers. Now, while we're not necessarily uh, questioning the straight up outcome in this game, they are 0 seven in the sense drafting T.J. Watt in games that Watt has not played. Uh, so, again, that's a straight up record. Uh, I don't think anybody's doubting Buffalo wins this game. Uh, Doesn't but, it feel yeah, like. After after he mismanaged it so poorly and was so stubborn, like doesn't it feel like you would go back to Trubisky in this spot and just sacrifice him instead of your you know right and, quarterback? You know, like, yeah, but yeah, I mean it, it's also something that you know who knows what he picked what Trubisky picked up on last year in Buffalo, but you would think he would know the Bills defense a little bit better too. Hey, re- revenge game at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't get it. And the more I thought about that, the more I just veered away from this game, not only because, again, it just doesn't really make a lot of spent a lot of sense for Pittsburgh to do the what they've been doing at the quarterback position. Uh, but also uh, remember, Pittsburgh went now, you, I suppose you could use this as a pro Pittsburgh angle, but I kind of look at this. You mentioned revenge. Pittsburgh last year goes into Western New York week one and wins outright as a touchdown underdog against Buffalo. So you have that angle to it as well, which I believe is more of a pro Buffalo angle. And lastly, on the Buffalo side of this, what have we now seen the last two weeks from Buffalo? And 
with how reactionary and with how Monday morning quarterbacky the takes can get. Well, that's a loss against Miami, and that's a game they should have lost against Baltimore probably last week. So it feels like now there, you know, there might be some a little more doubt creeping into some people's minds about the Bills, or at the very least, that uh, kind of uh, invincibility uh, pun intended there that it felt was surrounding the Bills after the blowout against the Rams and blowout against the Titans. Some of that seems to have dissipated. So all of this is to say that this would seem to be a spot in which the Bills could eat the souls of the Steelers and remind everybody who the clear-cut best team in the NFL is. No doubt about it. So all of that being said, I don't want to give up that many points in any NFL game, so I won't take Buffalo. And as much as I wanted to take Pittsburgh when this number opened, I can't do it. No, I don't blame you at all. And please, if you're listening to this, don't tease this game. Don't get the pass. Yes. Don't get the Steelers up to That's 20. the first thing I said. Uh, you want to don't get the Bills line. down. Do not get Buffalo down to minus seven, minus eight. No, it's it's just a dumb fucking teaser. And don't grab the Steelers up to 20. The Steelers might lose by 30 points. I can easily see it going either way. Uh, and and wait, that's also a point. Like, you're talking about variance. That's another thing. Like, Pickett could throw at least one, maybe two pick sixes in this game. Oh, my God, easily. I was going to say, he could have three to four interceptions in this. Right. And, you know, like, at this point, it's it's evaluating. If you're throwing him in there, you're not even – you're not expecting to win this game on the road. I did see a, a wild stat today that the, the Steelers have never been a – 14-point underdog since the AFL-NFL merger, which is absolutely wow. insane. The only team that has not been that big of an underdog. Yeah, like we, we always mention Tomlin, we love, great coach, great underdog coach, but this is not the spot. I'm not running to lay it with the Bills, but I definitely don't fault anyone who is. I think the best play in this game is the over. And you just you got to hope that the Steelers can score 17 points because I think the Bills and that are also easily speaks. scoring 30. Six, that could be quick points. Yeah, exactly. I think turnovers will be plentiful. And this Steelers defense is is not great this year. The secondary is okay. Minka was a little banged up. Obviously, everyone knows no TJ Watt. The pass rush isn't isn't quite there as much. Like to allow Zach Wilson back into that game is absolutely embarrassing. That's not something a solid Sears defense would do. And they, they just completely gave it up. I would not be shocked to see the bills put up 30 plus in this game. I think 46 and a half is way too low of a total. All right. So there's one bettable angle on this game in Western New York. Let's move to a game in the NFC South which all of a sudden is turning into an interesting early season divisional game. Maybe not so because Tampa is competitive in the NFC South, but because the visitors in this case, the Atlanta Falcons come in at two and two, a chance with an outright win, albeit as a 10 point underdog, a chance for Atlanta to be sitting at first in first place in the NFC South after five weeks. Who would have said that 
seven, eight weeks ago or at any point in the summer. But nonetheless, the Falcons are catching double digits as a 10-point road dog, total of 46 in this game. And Alex, this is the third week in a row. I explained this to you before we jumped on here. Third week in a row where a number in a Bucks game has moved, and I just don't understand the move. Two weeks ago, Green Bay visiting Tampa Bay. I was kind of feeling Tampa being at home with that heat, Green Bay with the travel early on in the season, uh, lower scoring game. I liked the Tampa defense better, and money came in that week on the Packers. And I believe the Packers ended up flipping from a dog to a favorite by the time that game kicked off. Then you fast forward to last week. And I faded the move, but unfortunately it worked out. But I was really feeling the Chiefs in a bounce back spot after the Chiefs lost two weeks ago against Indianapolis. Chiefs in prime time, Super Bowl revenge. And next thing you know, money comes in on Tampa Bay. And as I said, fortunately, that move ended up missing. And uh, for both of us, we cashed our tickets on the Chiefs. And now this week I figured, okay. I don't even know that this game is going to be one that's more of the heavily bet games, uh, Tampa and Atlanta, that is, because while Tampa's offense finally showed some life last week, a lot of it was garbage time. A lot of the stats I felt pretty empty. And Atlanta, 4-0 and against the spread, 2-2 two and two straight up, signs of life. Are we just going to keep betting against the Falcons? So evidently some people are. I think you were the one that alerted me to this number opening at two and, at 7.5. And and so that would indicate a 2.5-point move. I, I don't get it. Now we're going to give up 10 points with a Bucks offense that still I don't think is that good. And, yeah, maybe it says more about the Falcons' defense, but I, I don't understand the field goal move almost. I, I definitely lean Atlanta, um, but the Falcons aren't going to cover every point spread, so I'll probably stay away from this one as well. Uh, the, only, the only undefeated team against the spread. The Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. It's hard to believe. Marietta looking like Heisman Marietta. I think the biggest concern here is no Cordero Patterson. That's a that's a huge loss. He's out at least four weeks. That's why he went to the IR. Is he, so that's is a, he worth two and a half points, or is that just part yeah, of it? right. I, I think that's just part of it. I think that's also just public movement. Maybe early on. I don't know. But it feels like a hefty move. I mean, we were betting – Falcons games last year with a way worse team than this. Way worse quarterback. Well, I won't say way worse. Matt Ryan is decent, but a worse a worse opportunity than this. And we were still betting the Falcons. So I think that's the only way you look. But it's definitely concerning not having Patterson. He's a massive part of that offense. Atlanta, not good. With Arthur Smith as underdogs are 07 outright and 1-5 and 1 against the spread as at least seven-point underdogs under Smith. And then Tom Brady just absolutely owns the Falcons in his career. 10-0 and outright, 9-1 and against the spread against Atlanta, and that goes back to that Super Bowl loss that the Falcons suffered. I mean, I think the only way to look here is the Falcons, but I really don't want to do it. I don't think I can do it. Total feels... A tad high. I could see this being a blowout where the Falcons don't score very much after the Bucks defense just got absolutely embarrassed. You have to think they're going to be wanting to get up and keep this game lower. Maybe, maybe Falcons team total under, maybe full game under. That's probably the only way I would look in this. 
All right, well, let's move on to another divisional clash. This one uh, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, as the New York Jets will pay play host to the Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins are a three-point road favorite in this tilt, a total in this game of 46. The Jets, a sneaky 2-2 two and two with a pair of comeback wins against AFC North opponents in Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Miami. Still at three and one, and it's a system play for me on the first ballot gambling hall of famer Teddy Bridgewater as he makes his first start in the 2022 season in light of the two attack of Iloa concussion. Bridgewater for his career, 42 in 21 lifetime against the spread, 24 and six against the spread in road starts. Now, obviously. Bridgewater, not exactly a quarterback that is a favorite very often and is just able to manage games, protect the ball and cover as a dog. But at a short number of three with extra time to prepare off of the Thursday night loss against the Cincinnati Bengals last week, coming off of their first loss of the season, as I mentioned, spot wise, I think a lot of things check out here for Miami as well, Alex. So I think now you get a lot of time to install a game plan for Bridgewater. He's certainly shown an ability to come in and be a functional backup quarterback, go back to his days in New Orleans. And, you know, I know that he ended up winning the starting job in Denver last year. But uh, I think when you put enough pieces around him and, uh, you know, I remember he had that season in Carolina where, gosh, the Panthers might want him back given how bad Baker looks. So I, I just think the reason he covers these numbers, and I, I still think as a short favorite, a lot of this rationale will apply here because I don't think the Jets are any good despite their 2-2 two and two record, is the fact that Bridgewater plays mistake-free football. And that will work, especially when you have weapons to distribute the football too. And of course, he can get the ball out to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle here. Let them make plays after the catch. And I think the Dolphins win and cover here. And so I'll I'll lay the three. As I said, spot-wise, I think a lot of it checks out, too. They get to install a full game plan, extra time to prepare. Um, and on the Jets' side, I think there's a reason that their four games have gone loss-win, loss-win. And give them credit for the comebacks against the Browns and the Steelers. But... I also think that you look at their losses and you see a team that is learning, growing, turning a corner and, and just not there yet. And I, I, so I think the consistency element for the Jets is something that we're still waiting to see unfold. And, I, you know, ironically enough, I mentioned Cincinnati beating Miami. It was kind of a get right spot for Cincinnati a couple weeks ago against the Jets. Well, I don't know if we can call it a get-right spot for Miami because it did only lose one game. But I think the Dolphins will bounce back and the Jets are just kind of going to trudge along through this mediocre season of theirs, which for them is okay. That that, that would be progress if they can get to, say, eight wins That's doing this. As expected, right? 
Right. Like, I just don't think they're going to be able to follow up a lot of these emotional comeback wins with good performances again. I think that's the sign of a young team that's still learning. So I'll give the three and uh, let's go. Teddy covers. Teddy two gloves. Teddy covers the go. You you absolutely nailed it. It mentioned, you know, the the Jets off these emotional wins. They're one in four under Sala after a win. One and four against the spread after a win. Hey, you better be careful. Robert Sala saving the receipts. <laughs> that was a that was a great press conference. I like I, mean, I, 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 I would too, run actually. through a fucking I would run through a fucking brick wall for this guy. Yeah. Love him. I'm sure the players love him. Calling out there they get up and get trolls in New York. Yeah. No, get on him, but granted he doesn't have a very good football team, so you mentioned these these spots. This is such a zigzag league. Like, you know, the Jets are coming off an absolutely emotional win. Dolphins are coming off a very tragic loss in which they lost their starting quarterback and all that controversy surrounding it. This couldn't be a better spot for Teddy to come in here. I think that's why the line is probably only three. You know, backup quarterback on the road, but then you broke down his ATS record. On the road, I mean, he's one of Alex, the let best me ask you this. Would you rather have to win one game right now? Would you like forget the rest of the roster? Would you rather have Zach Wilson or Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, it's Teddy Bridgewater every, every I agree. fucking day. He's a, he's a very good serviceable quarterback. And I think the Dolphins knew exactly what they're doing, bringing him in as a backup in case Tua did get injured or just right. struggled. Like, listen, like, opinions aside on the Tua situation last week, this is a guy that, dating back to his college days, has had injury history. Right, and I think they also just built in the consideration that he might just struggle. I mean, there's been times where he just isn't that right. good. Right. So you're so, bringing in a serviceable guy who's not a threat, but also isn't somebody who, when called upon – uh, is, is going to blow up yeah. the season. Exactly. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league against the spread. And it's it's unreal. Teddy, he just covers, dating back to his days in fucking Denver. All he does is cover. Yeah, this is the perfect spot for him. Short road favorite. I mean, we love that. The Jets are not that good. So some agreement on the Miami side at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Let's go to U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis up next. Another divisional game to get to as the Chicago Bears, the monsters of the midway. I don't even know if they're still called that. I just like to say it. They go to the Twin Cities to take on the Vikings. Vikings, a seven and a half point home favorite. Total of uh, 44 in this one. And... Alex, at first thought, I thought, okay, well, here's Kirk Cousins back at his 1 p.m. Eastern window. Uh, You know, we had played a primetime game earlier this year in Philly, played a London game last week, got there for us at CLV. Always nice to see that come into play for you in cash. But now he's back in his uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time window. Uh, Vikings 3-1. Kind of, I feel like maybe a sneaky 3-1 in the sense that they're, 
the game that everybody was watching them the most was that probably that Philly Monday night game and they got waxed. Although I do feel like a lot of people probably watched Minnesota uh, beat Green Bay in week one in that big late afternoon Fox window game. Having said all that, uh, this is a steep number and I do think a cautionary tale would be the home divisional game that that Minnesota played a couple of weeks ago, excuse me, against Detroit, where the Vikings kind of sleepwalked a little bit through that one, ended up getting the outright win, no cover. And I, so basically what it comes down to for me is I'm not ready to blindly trust Minnesota in this price range. Um, I don't know how good Justin Fields is at throwing a football, but uh, I, I also have my doubts about – uh, Minnesota uh, laying over a touchdown. So lean with the Vikings, uh, but you got to be, I don't want to necessarily say automatic, but uh, you got to be a, a top, an upper echelon top five team, let's say in the NFL. Like I mentioned, I, I was, stro- I was closer with the Packers at laying the lumber than I am the Vikings here. So, and I passed the London game. So I'll pass Minnesota and Chicago. I completely agree. This is definitely a pass for me as well. Unfortunately, because we do love Kirk in this window and then against one of the worst teams in the league and then obviously the worst team in the division. Saw Justin Fields is three and nine against the spread as an underdog. It's just tough to lay over a touchdown in the division with the defense that we just don't really trust right now. They couldn't get some stops last week against the Saints and Andy Dalton. And, you know, Fields isn't quite further off than that. I think they're pretty comparable quarterbacks. I think this is an absolute pass. This is a very, very sleepy spot. Despite being the divisional game, you would think they get up for a divisional game, but you know, one o'clock against the Bears. It just doesn't feel like a game where they want to blow them out. I would not lay this. All right. One other divisional game to get to down in Duval as the Houston Texans uh, travel east to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville coming off of that loss to Philadelphia nearly snuck in the back door towards the end there. But the Jags lose in Philly and now take on the Houston Texans. Jags, a seven-point favorite, total of 43 and the hook. I do feel like there's some get-right element here for Jacksonville as the Jags uh, go back home. I definitely trust them uh, and Doug Peterson off of a loss like they had in Philly. That game last week, a little Funky in the sense of that, you know, for us, it was a nice roller coaster as the Eagles first half ended up miraculously covering. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just kind of look at that and like Lawrence fumbled several times. The ball was wet. It was conditions were, were suboptimal. And I think that's one where you look at the winning team and like this is how I looked at it as an Eagle fan. I looked at it and said, OK. Good for the Eagles for finding a way in those conditions. I like it's it almost said more to me about the winning team than it did the losing team, because especially when the losing team is like a young southern team like the Jags, where, you know, they're not going to play in those conditions that often. And, you know, they're going to be playing in nice Florida weather most of the season 
and the game kind of got away from them and the Eagles at home just kind of rolled the wave a little bit. So while the Jags did get off to a nice start there, I don't look at the way that game ended and no cover for Jacksonville as a huge concern. I think they bounced back here. Um, I, I, I do think that the continued fading of bad teams like the Texans is not something I like to do. Uh, and I, it has been a little bit I, since the Texans covered a point spread. I want to say uh, week two against Denver might've been their last cover. Cause um, uh, what they lose to Chicago as a short dog. And last week against uh, uh, who are they playing? Uh, the Chargers. Oh, Chargers. Yes. They, they, uh, they, that they was a spot where I thought they, they could be live play. and no cover there. So point being, uh, I think the uh, notion of just continuing to fade bad teams catches up to you. Uh, and so uh, I think the Jags, the way you're using them in a Monday night parlay or a teaser makes more sense. Yeah, I think that's probably the only way you can look at this and looking at this total, does feel a tad low, but then you're looking at a Jags defense that is actually pretty damn solid. And they played very well in like tough spots last week. I mean, Jags went up 14-0 early. I'm shocked we got that first half cover. That was that was fucking that was awesome unreal. To get that at minus four. Wait, wait, I was and, you know, sweating. the funny thing is, you would have thought Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback for the Eagles. Oh my god, just an incredible pulling out double. that kind of a cover. I mean, unbelievable. That was incredible. I I completely agree. I think that speaks more to how good the Eagles are than to the Jags being bad. I think this Jags team is still pretty damn solid. The defense is really strong. And I think the only way you can look here is the Jags, but I'm not really excited to lay seven points against our, our boy Davis Mills. We're, we're very strong. Mills Mafia. Mills Mafia, that's us. We're probably one of the few few members of that. But, yeah, we like the the Jags in this spot for sure. I, I think that's the only way you look. I am a little concerned, though. I, Jags is a favorite. I saw the last four times they were a favorite. They lost the game outright with three of those losses coming against Houston. Granted, that, that dates back to the – to the Watson era. So completely different. That, that also goes back to week one last year. Urban Meyer favored to win a football game. Yes. So you can you can definitely throw throw some of those out the window. This is a completely different team and they're definitely warranted the, the seven points in this spot. I just wouldn't be running to it. Like I said, I took that at money line parlay like a fucking coward, but I would not fault anyone for teasing this down with the Packers or, you know, pick your other favorite way. Maybe look to the Niners. Yeah, we'll get to San Francisco a little bit later on. But speaking of the NFC West, uh, well, let's go to the AFC West, where uh, this is one of my favorite games of the week. The Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Lake Erie to take on the Cleveland Browns. We're seeing Los Angeles, a two-point road favorite. It appears a total of 47 and a half. And Alex, I love the Browns here. I mean, this is a spot that just sounds a lot of alarm bells for me about the Chargers, where I look at last week and think, okay, the the Texans may just be that bad. I don't take away. I mean, listen, 
I'll acknowledge credit to the Chargers for winning a game in the NFL on the road with their injury situation. That's good. They need to kind of hang on, hope they get healthier. I know Rashawn Slater's out for the year, but they'll get Joey Bosa back at some point this year. And and you just hope for the best with Justin Herbert and that rib thing that, you know, he can kind of nurse it as best he can as the year goes on. Having said that, this is back-to-back games for the Chargers outside of the Pacific time zone. This is a lengthier trip uh, to Cleveland than last week's trip to Houston. And I kind of like the Browns in a bounce-back spot here. If you think about the Browns, they're just trying to tread water without Deshaun Watson and then hope he can come back and get them into uh, one of those wild-card spots in the AFC. And last week was a missed opportunity in that standpoint, a winnable game in Atlanta that they lose. But now you look at this game and figure, well, the beginning of the season, this probably wasn't as winnable as it feels for like it is right now for the Browns. So bad situational spot for the Los Angeles Chargers. I do think the Browns have played pretty well. And I, I listen, like we talked a little bit about it earlier, like, Let's give Atlanta a little bit of credit. I mean, at what point do we have to say we were wrong and this isn't, you know, and we, I mean, collectively, not just us. I mean, everybody that talks about the NFL probably had Atlanta as one of, if not the worst teams in the NFL. And I I think they're far from that right now. So I don't necessarily downgrade Cleveland because of that loss on the road against the Falcons. And, you know, as much as we talked about the Steelers not playing all that well, you got to give the Browns some credit for pulling that one out. They should have beat the Jets, and they choked that game away. So uh, the point is, I think the Browns are playing good football with Jacoby Brissett right now, mistake-free football again. And, uh, you know, Amari Cooper has looked good. We know about how well they can run the ball, and and they're just healthier. They're going to get Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney back, I think, here. So, yeah, I'll take the Cleveland Browns here, catching the deuce at home. I think this number is a few points off. It should at least be a pick on uh, give me the Browns and the dog pound to get the win. And Cleveland gets back over 500. I completely agree. This feels like a live dog spot. Keenan Allen didn't practice again today. That's a big concern. Looks like Herbert was a full practice, but obviously that's an injury that he's going to just have to work through the entire season, which is Terrible for him and Chargers fans. Brutal injury. I mean, that's something that he's going to be dealing with for a while. Yeah, like you mentioned, Brissett, definitely above expectations, I would say. I think this number is definitely a little too long as well. I I think Cleveland wins this game. Control the ball on the ground and keep this close. This might be a spot where you look the under as well. I just I don't see it with the with the Chargers offense right now. I mean it took it took uh Austin Eckler absolutely going off with some of those touchdowns last week and that's against the Texans defense that is probably one of the worst in the NFL. So I I don't know how much stock you can really put into that game. Then they still almost gave that up. They almost gave the cover back there at the end. So just Cleveland for me. On we roll to the Detroit Lions, the Motor City Kitties heading to Gillette Stadium to take on the New England Patriots. And talked a little bit about this game before we jumped on in the perhaps telling point spread of New England, minus three in the hook, total of 46. And 
Alex, that would indicate that Mac Jones is going to return. And I'll also say this: if Mac Jones can return, I, I think this is—I I think it's priced properly if Jones is playing. But over 46 gets kind of interesting too, given the ineptitude of the Detroit Lions defensively. And you know, you give them credit on the offensive side of the ball; they were able to do just fine last week in the absence of Monroe St. Brown and DeAndre Swift. So, with all of that said, I do think over 46 is kind of interesting in this game. The side I can't touch, though, because we don't know for sure if Mac Jones is going to play. And we don't know what kind of Mac Jones we're getting in terms of, uh, you, know, one, you know, where he is on the health scale percent-wise. And, and, and maybe this is the type of thing where they look at it knowing that it's Detroit and, uh, you know, it, it goes down to the wire, game-time decision, something like that. And... He's not quite there, and they're like, okay, it's the Lions. We got it. So um, because of that, I think – I definitely don't think that the spread is going to become larger in New England's favor. So if you like Detroit, definitely grab the three and a half now with the possibility that the Lions go off as a favorite in the event that Jones is a game day inactive. So we don't really know – Is this kind of similar to the spot we saw – Herbert versus the Jags were that line. Yes, yes, it's a great call. So, yeah, so um, if you like the Lions, then I suppose that also, you know, the, the, the Jones uncertainty maybe contradicts what I was saying about the over as well. Uh, but, you know, maybe you almost kind of make two bets here and you take Lions plus three and a half and you take over 46. I have a hard time thinking that both of those lose because either – Jones gets ruled out and you have an amazing CLV and you feel great about Lions plus three and a half or Jones is in and you should feel pretty good about over 46. So that would kind of be how I would attack it. But I just don't think I'll make any bets. I think that's a solid, solid analysis. And also, if you're getting Bailey Zappi, you can't forget this is one of the, the best college quarterbacks ever. So if it's him, you're me. Well, I'm not going to be slinging it because Bill Belichick will not allow that, but it still feels a tad low with that Lions defense. We've seen everyone, even the fucking commanders who are inept in all sorts of facets. They can't put up points against anyone, but they'd put up points against the Lions. So you would have to think Zappi can do the same. I think the over is the best play here. So some agreement on the total in Foxborough between the Lions and the Patriots. Let's head to FedEx Field, where the Washington Commanders are a short dog against the Tennessee Titans of one and a half points, total of just 43 in this one. And Alex, the Commanders are the girlfriend I can't break up with. I just find myself, it's like, you know, she's not that hot. I I might be able to do better, but I'm afraid. (laughs) So I just don't dump her. Like that's the you command do better. And, and, and I just keep going back to the well and I find a different reason to bet the commanders every week. Two weeks ago, it was, oh, Eagles are fat and happy off the primetime win against Minnesota divisional dog short week for Philly Carson Wentz revenge game that went to hell last week. Another divisional dog against Dallas Cooper rush. Can't keep this up. He'll make one costly mistake. That'll be enough to at least keep the game close. I'm grabbing three with Washington. That was kind of in there, but kind of not because you never really felt like Washington was going to score enough against that Dallas defense. Now, different reason, same side. I'm looking at this saying, what the hell is going on with this line? How is Tennessee not at least a three-point road favorite? Tennessee has won 
a back-to-back games now, one by a touchdown on the road in the division last week against Indianapolis, one against the Raiders, who I'll get to later. I still think, at least from a talent perspective, are a good team. We cashed on them last week. So Tennessee may be starting to find its footing a little bit. I think Traylon Burks has been a little dinged up. I know you're usually pretty good on the injury reports, so keep me in the loop on that one. But it just feels like Tennessee starting to, as I said, find its way a little bit, yet here the commanders are only catching one and a half. It just feels like this. There's there isn't always one of these every week, but it feels like this line is just such a trap to take Tennessee with recency bias on both teams. And whenever I see that, I have to bet the side that's the less popular side and hope that the trap ends up baiting people into betting Tennessee, which ends up losing. So it's obviously not a handicap I expect a ton of people to be on board with, but this line reeks. We're doing it again. Commanders, you know, they're just going to, you know, get get like a a nice, uh, you know, job done, you know, and, and, and be a pretty girl for one week, okay? Yeah, I, I fucking hate it so much that I absolutely love it. I mean, <laughs> command, commander's money line. They're winning this game for absolutely no reason. And by this the way, if they lose, reeks. then I already know next week I'm going to be like, Ron Rivera coaching for his job. Commanders, again. Right, right. Exactly. That's when Ron Rivera's in a tough spot, and you like that. But, yeah, Burks did not practice today. The more concerning one for the Titans is that Bud Dupree did not practice today with a hip injury. And if you're going to beat the Commanders, you need that pass rush. And Bud Dupree, absolute monster, former Steeler, great. Could absolutely use him this year now. They let him walk. Should have paid the man. He's a fucking monster. I completely agree. I think this is commander's money line. This is one of those terrible games that they win. Short favorite. This is also ticked down from two and a half to one and a half. Right, like, you you know they're going to screw up getting a quarterback and win seven games, right? Well, they they always do. That's that's their DNA. That's all the the commanders do. and I think I trust Titans less than I trust the Commanders, which is wild to say. I I think Washington has slightly better skill positions. You know, maybe Henry, though, makes us absolute foolish and he runs for 200 yards and two touchdowns, which would not surprise me at all. But if there's anything the Commanders do fairly well, it's that they have stack the front seven but not necessarily seven but definitely the four in the box is their strongest position on the field i think you got to go commander's money line like i mentioned bud dupree not practicing today is sure yeah no i'm with you it's stinky but uh, but i'm on it for sure it's, it's probably the stinkiest line. like this might week. be the stinkiest line a year so far it's I mean, it's absolutely disgusting, but to get the commanders at home at plus money against the Titans who, you know, what, week one after that result? Lost to the Giants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, are the All right Giants let's go to uh, final game in the early window, Seattle. Traveling to the Big Easy to take on the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans, how about this? The Saints, a five-and-a-half point home favorite playing five and a half with new orleans i'm telling you 
I'm, I'm an Eagle fan watching closely on these Saints games. Eagles hold their first round pick next year. So uh, rooting against the Saints every week and so far so good on that front. But uh, Alex, you brought up a good point earlier about the travel spot for New Orleans. And maybe this also speaks to why we want to I know we both kind of passed the Chicago Minnesota game, but you got the teams coming back from London. So uh, I've been to London. I, I will think the, the jet lag's harder going there than it is coming back, but still something to consider. Uh, having said that, I also don't like the travel spot for Seattle. Um, I mentioned the Chargers with back-to-back road games outside the Pacific time zone with the Chargers last week in Houston and this week in Cleveland. That's what Seattle is up against going to Detroit last week and now going to New Orleans. So um I, I don't I, I always find it interesting if these teams find a, a site to practice at and never go back. But I, I didn't see anything from the Seattle front there. Uh, it is a steep number, though. I mean, like I said, five and a half for the New Orleans team that has all sorts of offensive problems. It does look like Alvin Kamara will return for New Orleans. Uh, pour one out for the fantasy owners that he was surprised and active last week. And you get those London games. And, you know, I know my league decided we're going to have a uh, – that's going to be part of the preseason Zoom call next year, uh, how to address London game oh, surprise inactives. So, you got to be, that, you just got to be fucking awake. Do I, you just got to be ready. I mean, so the guy in our league. Stay up late or get up early. I, don't, I have okay, no sympathy for people who missed out on that. None. Not even, because the guy in our Zero. league on the West Coast that had him. Still not there. I don't there. care. The West Coast, then you're up That's later. That's a 6 a.m. start, West Coast time. I don't care. You got to be fucking ready. If it's if it's wow. a league that you care enough about, you? then you're ready. It is it is a pretty hefty buy-in, I'll say that. So, all right. Uh, you, you I'm passing this game, though. Ready. I don't really like the spot for either team, as I indicated. That might lead me to under 46. That is kind of a steep total and maybe a little bit of an overreaction to Seattle and Detroit going up and down the field last week. Uh, so I might look at the under here, but I don't like the side. Uh, you're going to take the points with Seattle. Why? Yeah, I'm taking them. I just think the travel spot is very tough. And then we're getting Dalton again. I I don't have a ton of confidence in Dalton. And Geno Smith, surprisingly, is very strong against the spread. He's 23 and 15 in his career. He's 10 and 2 against the spread in his last 12 starts. And then you look to De- Dennis Allen, just does not make me very confident. I mean, these these Saints teams just look very underprepared. I mean, the, the penalties last week were really racking up. It goes back to his days, coach on the Raiders, just does not seem like a coach who can get his team ready. And then, you know, coming back from London, yeah, I mean, obviously you're going back home, so that has to feel better. but. The Seahawks team is really fucking gritty. Love them in the underdog role. I feel like Pete Carroll is kind of similar to that rah-rah Tomlin spot where he just gets his players up in these underdog roles. Granted, the travel's not great for Seattle, you know, going to New Orleans. It's not a good spot for them, but I just don't trust Dalton at all regards to being at home. I think Seattle has enough weapons to keep this game closed. Five and a half just feels way too long, which kind of makes me a little concerned 
just being five and a half, I mean, this feels like it should be way closer to three and a half. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna grab it. I'm gonna grab the Seahawks. I think they could be live dogs. This is gonna be a close game. The Seattle Seahawks with a win would stay in first place in the NFC West because everybody's in first place in the AFC West as the four teams in the division are all two and two entering week five across the NFL. And I think they're the first one that we went through. We're going to do San Francisco now. But yep, and we got them all coming. Four straight NFC West games up next. The first game in the late window, the San Francisco 49ers. Cross-country travel against the Carolina Panthers. Laying six and the hook. Total of 39. Jeez, these totals. I feel like every week we're seeing totals in the upper 30s, low 40s. And, uh, hey, Baker Mayfield can't get a first down right now, so I guess it's fair. Uh, But, Alex, as much as we have plenty of distrust towards Baker, uh, this is the spot that we just hate the 49ers in. Shanahan is a hefty favorite. Short week. uh, Emotional Monday night win against the Rams. Uh, If... Carolina had a pulse. I'd be on them right now, but I don't know that there's a pulse there. So I'm passing. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Generally, like to fade Kyle Shanahan as a as a favorite, but this Carolina team is absolutely dead. One in twenty six under rule. When the opponent scores Dude, yeah. 17 points. That's so a crazy stat. Do we, do we I've think heard the this, Niners yeah. can, can score 17? Probably. Would not shock me at all. So 1-26, in 26, and that's 24 losses in a row when their opponent scores 17 points. It's just shocking how bad the Panthers have gone. Normally, you would look to the the team getting nearly a touchdown at home, especially with such a low total, 39-39.5, getting nearly a touchdown. I just can't get there. I'm I'm gonna have to pass this game as well. This is the this is the corner. I just corner like I, I want to take Carolina here, but I, I just can't do it. Damn, I can't do it. It's way too yeah. fucking sinky. This is this is a game I hope just doesn't come up on red zone. I don't want to see it once. Well, I, uh, I I I do have some Jeff Wilson Jr., so I'll, I'll take some uh, good positive right. game flow. So you can get, uh, you know. All right, two red zone updates. Exactly. Two Wilson touchdowns. Perfect. I think a, a better angle here is one of my coworkers, uh, Pam Maldonado, shout out, Yahoo Sports. She said Christian McCaffrey under rushing yards. I think that's an interesting angle. Those cash if he gets hurt, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You saw it. You saw it tonight with with Hines got hurt in the third oh, yeah. game. And, yeah, that's yeah. right. Unless yeah. you know your sports book is. I guess Jonathan Taylor will be back for Indy in ten days. Yeah, it sounds like it. And Hines, who knows, concussion. Oh know. yeah, concussion. Those are always hard to read, but. All right, uh, let's stay in the NFC West and go to the desert where the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Arizona Cardinals. And um, Alex, you know me as a Philly sports fan. I'm going to be, you know, if if I see a Cardinal on the road on Sunday, I might just run it over because they got the Cardinals 
and the Eagles, and then a game three potentially in the wild card series between the Phillies and the St. Louis Cardinals, as the Eagles in this one are a five point road favorite, a total of 48 and a half. I said to you before we jumped on that it felt like the Eagles were starting to get in that expensive, one of the best team in the NFL odds makers adjust range where they're laying five against an Arizona team that is weathering the storm without DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals are two and two in the six game suspension thus far. Coming off of a win last week, albeit against the lifeless Carolina Panthers. It is worth noting, and Alex, I know you're going to be on the Eagles here, but and I think you like them full game. We, we've we talked about how the Eagles have been more of a first-half team, not a second-half team, and last week that somehow remained the case. Arizona has been a good second-half team. 23-6, to they outscore Carolina last week, uh, and of course we know about their comeback win against the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 2. All that is to say that I am passing uh, because while I don't think Arizona is any good, I do think the Eagles are starting to get a little expensive, like I mentioned. Uh, The one thing that would make me feel good about backing the Eagles is the fact that their defense continues to look better and better after a bad showing in the Motor City in week one. How about three straight defensive players of the week for Philly in the NFC, Darius Slay, Brandon Graham, and Hassan Reddick most recently. So I, I think that has to make you feel good. Uh, and 48 and a half, one of the higher totals on the board in week five. So maybe this gets to be pretty entertaining with Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. Um, I don't know, though. I, I, five points on the road against a team that still made the playoffs is a lot. And maybe the Eagles are just that good. I hope so. Uh, and you're on them. But like I said, I do think it's more of a first half play. Curious if I at least swayed you there. Um, definitely swayed a bit. I just, I think the Cardinals are absolute frauds. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a fraud. We like him way better as a road underdog than we do as a home favorite. He's Five and thirteen against the spread in his last eighteen home games. Well, with home dog here. Yeah, no, that's just five and thirteen in home games in general. I just, I just think he's. Oh, but you said way better as a road dog than a home favorite. Oh yeah, my bad. He's zero and two against the spread at home this season. Eagles are. Second in the NFL in net yards. I just I think this is just a way, way better football team than the Cardinals. I don't have a problem playing this number. This is probably more anti. So you just say the Cardinals suck. Yeah, absolutely. Which yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think that's the reason behind playing the Eagles here. My point was about the five points on the road. Um that I, I, I do know that. Feel like it's a little expensive and if you think that the team doesn't suck in the case of Arizona you, you shouldn't play Philly yeah no I, I definitely don't don't argue against that I think that's a solid point I, I just think Cliff is very poor and I think this Cardinal team is is actually worse I mean they looked pretty lifeless against Carolina who 
I don't think is very good at all. I mean, they, they squeaked out that win as a road dog. But what do we think? I, I played this, the Phillies in the series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. 110 in the series. Did you see who the who the Cardinals are rolling out? Quintana. Okay, so that's Nicholas, the thing. Like, tell games. me how the Phillies pitchers aren't just better. They're way better, right? And yeah. I mean, I would argue the offense top to bottom is better as well. They, they won the regular season series against the Cardinals, too. I, I don't think it's a bad bet at all. I love it. Playoff baseball is here. I I was, I mean, I'm not shocked, obviously, because, you know, St. Louis is at home, but plus 110. That's interesting because the first I was game do any, uh, is like minus 110. Former Nats parlays and take like Soto and like I don't even know what other Nats are in the playoffs, but like do oh, like fuck uh, it. <laughs> Soto well, Price parlay uh, former Nats it would be Scherzer who's on the Mets and then you Scherzer know on the ballot. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. Then. I did take uh I took the the Padres to win that series as well. You see the Walter stuff today, by the way. Uh, the the rough thing. Well, like he was saying, like, oh, was be the game one starter, but he won't say the game two starter. And like, he's, like, trying About to be both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I kind of see it. But, I mean, DeGrom does look a little shaky. But, I mean, obviously, he's going to fucking pitch, right? Yeah. I, I mean, here's what I think might happen. If the Mets win tomorrow, I could see them throwing Chris Bassett game two. And then using the if they lose, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. I mean, Scherzer, you're you're going game one. He's a fucking dog. I agree. All right, let's get back to the pigskin where we'll head out west. Final game in the late afternoon window. The Dallas Cowboys take on the LA Rams at SoFi Stadium. I believe it's a five and a half point home line for the LA Rams laying it. Um I don't know, Alex. It's five in the hook, total 43. I, I don't trust the Rams for a second in this price range right now. Short week for Los Angeles, albeit not a ton of travel, just a short flight from San Fran down to L.A. But the Rams offense just looks bad. I mean, San Fran ate them for dinner last Monday night. We saw them kind of slug through the mud against Arizona, and fortunately for our sake, I believe we both on it against Arizona. They were able to still cover. Like, okay, so their one game that they look good is against an Atlanta defense that we've talked about how Atlanta's been a good over team. You know, still don't cover that Atlanta game, I might add. And then just a no-show in week one against the Buffalo Bills. So all of this is to say the Rams did get it together as the season progressed last year en route to their Super Bowl championship. Um, so maybe a better bet later in the season than now. But I can't lay five and a half points with the Rams right now, especially against this Cowboy defense that has been playing really well. And you look at the Cooper Rush formula, it's working for the Cowboys. And because it's the Cowboys, now we get dweebs talking about quarterback controversy and all that nonsense. Having said that, can't certainly can't lay it with the Rams. I do think you might be able to take it with the Cowboys if you wanted to, because not only has the formula for Dallas been working, but 
you have to think this is going to be a de facto home game for the Dallas Cowboys with, you know, L.A. full of transplants and, you know, the that star is everywhere in big markets especially. And, you know, L.A. would seem to be an area that would have a bunch of Cowboys fans. They have that camp in Oxnard every year. So I, I think that there's going to be a lot of Cowboys support here uh, in the stands. And as crazy as this sounds, I don't think the Cowboys, if we're talking about a game of defenses, uh, because this total is just 43, I don't think the Cowboys defense is that far off from the Rams defense right now. So strong lead for me on the Cowboys plus the points. I would argue the Cowboys defense is better than the Rams. I was going to compare yeah. the, the Cowboys team overall to the Niners who just absolutely smashed the the Rams. I think Does, the Cowboys doesn't it kind are of feel that way, team, right? Where you have a quarterback right? that just plays mistake-free ball, you have good running game, and every now and again you get a big play from a CD Lamb, the way you get a big play every now and then from Medebo Samuel. Exactly. You you would not argue a ton that Jimmy G and Cooper Rush are like on very similar playing fields, right? I mean, they're, they're pretty similar quarterbacks. And Absolutely. I think Dallas's defense perfectly compares to the Niners. They might be a tick better. I think I think the Dallas pass rush is probably better. And we just saw Stafford get sacked seven times and throw an interception against the Niners. And, yeah, I think the Cowboys perfectly match up for this game. I My only concern is just, you know, when is – the Rams offense going to turn it on. Is this going to be the game? But the total doesn't quite signify that. I mean, 43 points. Just a little sketched out by this line at five and a half, but the Cowboys feel like very, very live dog. I I think if you're going to look to Dallas, I think you just take them to win the game. This feels like a very winnable game. I don't know if five and a half. Almost two to one on the money line. Yeah. Seeing plus 200, I don't know if five and a half does anything for you. All right, let's hit the primetime games as we get out of Dodge on this week five edition of Full Slate. Sunday night football in Charm City as the Cincinnati Bengals travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Looks like there's, I, I don't know if you got the hook. I see a hard three right now, minus $1.15 on Baltimore, total of 48 and a half. I know you like the Bengals, Alex. I've passed. I would have liked the Bengals if the Baltimore Ravens had closed the game out last week against the Bills. Then it would have been a nice kind of fade. Point tax maybe. Come fat and happy off of a win over Buffalo. I don't have any of those elements here, so I'll pass the game. I don't. If you got three and a half, though, I, I don't hate it from the Cincinnati side as it looks like the Bengals found themselves and uh, always love the mini buy which Cincinnati is coming out of. Yeah, I got the three and a half. I wouldn't be afraid to play three right now. Looks like it's uh, actually three and a half right now on MGM, juice to minus 120, and then plus 100 on the Baltimore side. Total 48, which indicates a little higher scoring game. I think both these offenses are pretty solid. I just trust Cincinnati a little more right now, which is, is weird to say. I'm a big believer in Baltimore. I got the Lamar Jackson MVP ticket. 
which is nice to hold on to right now. But I just don't trust this Baltimore team down the stretch. It's it's weird because I saw a stat today that they've only tra- they've only trailed for 14 seconds so far the entire fucking season. 14 seconds, and they're two and two. They blew that game to Miami. Yeah, geez. and then they blew that to the Bills. It's not a second half team. So if you're looking at Baltimore, you have to play the first half. You can't. You can't play the full game. This might be good where point. If you didn't get in, or if you don't like the spot, maybe you just wait. Play it live, especially because you know it's a Sunday night game. That's the perfect time to live bet. So if the Bengals go down early, maybe you can grab like a six and a half, a seven. That could be a great way to attack it. You go live. But yeah, I I just think the the Bengals are a more talented team. I do, I don't trust the Baltimore defense for a for a full game. I think this yeah, this it's weird not trusting the Ravens defense, but that's where we're at. Yeah, after the last couple of weeks, it, it's just hard. They they just melt down in the second half, and the defense is on the field too long, and then the offense just doesn't seem to move the ball as well. Then Lamar is just doing literally everything. It's yeah. Insane to watch. All right, let's wrap things up. Monday Night Football at Arrowhead Stadium. The Kansas City Chiefs lie in seven against the Las Vegas Raiders. Highest total, I think, on the board for week five at 51. And uh, Alex, I talked to you into the Raiders last week. I'm going to try and do it again here. While it is a, I think, pretty sizable coaching mismatch, Andy Reid against Josh McDaniels, we have seen the Raiders have six. <laughs> could, it, could, it, could it be worse? I mean, last week we saw, uh, Shan- or not last week, but the previous Shanahan versus Hackett, that was definitely a huge one. But Reid McDaniels, that's got to be the biggest of the week, right? I would think, and, you know, here I am going to war with the Las Vegas Raiders in this game. But a couple things. First off, I maintain belief that the Raiders have a good team. And they got a huge win last week against Denver. This is a playoff team that added Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams uh, to its roster. Secondly, uh, while... The Chiefs have, you know, historically dominated this rivalry. There have been a couple of wins, namely last, or excuse me, 2020 in Arrowhead for the Raiders. Uh, And uh, they won also in 2017 in a real close game, uh, 31-30. So, you know, going back a little bit there on the 17. But nonetheless, I think that the Raiders are... Capable of scoring enough points to hang in in this game. And I also look at the way their defense is played. And, you know, that really week one against the Chargers, that wasn't the problem. You know, and that was a fully healthy Chargers team for the most part. And they lost because Carr turned the ball over too much. Uh, You know, then I look at week two and I look at. 50, 55 minutes, the Raiders' defense is keeping Kyler Murray at bay. Uh, and, you know, last week, or excuse me, week three against Tennessee, 
They almost came back and stole the game. Not their best performance, admittedly. And then they get their first win last week. So point being, they get their first win in a division game. I always thought they were better than 0-3. I always thought they were now better than 1-3. And, and now I just need them to cover a seven-point line. And I do think for as much as I am kind of pro Raiders and still thinking that they could make something out of 2022, I, I think it's a good spot to fake Kansas City. I mean, this is prime time after prime time. Last week in primetime, they go to Tampa and they beat up on the Bucks. That game was not as close as the score indicated. National audience. And, you know, that now they got to come back and play a division game. And let's be honest, the Chiefs, the last few years, as good as they've been, the odds makers always have a handle on them. They don't cover these big numbers. We know that. Uh, the Raiders, if you just blindly bet road underdogs since 2018, 379 and 298 and 19 pushes since the start of the 2018 season. So pick your spots on these road dogs and you end up being pretty profitable. This is a division dog. Another huge game, just a bigger game for the Raiders right now. What message do the Chiefs need to send right now, honestly? I mean, the Broncos can't score a touchdown. The Chargers are banged up. Even if the Raiders win this game outright, everyone's still going to be saying the Chiefs are the best team in this loaded AFC West. Uh, And so more on the line for the Raiders, a defense that I think has actually played better than people are going to give it credit for because the team is just one and three. Uh, and in 2020, they went toe to toe at Arrowhead and won 40 to 32 against the Chiefs. So uh, I absolutely think they can keep it close. Good spot to fade Kansas City. Little fat and happy after their Super Bowl revenge last week against the Bucks. Give me the Raiders. Silver and back is what I like to say. Raiders plus seven. <laughs> nice. I love that. You have sufficiently convinced me again. I'll be back-to-back <laughs> week on the Raiders. This feels like a good time to mention that underdogs are now 36-25-3 and three against the spread this season, and unders are 38-26-1. So it's a dog-and-under season. Initially, I was definitely thinking over, just blindly bet this over, over 51. I think I saw it open 53 on MGM, which is wild. That's a very high total. I didn't really have much on the side until you just convinced me of it. I'm definitely going to take the points with the Raiders. You'd love a you love a divisional dog like that. Uh, by the way, I would hold out. I think we might see some seven and a half pop here. The hook? I was going to say, do you think we're going to get the hook? Maybe just because it's a primetime standalone if you just wait till Monday and like, night. Like, who's betting the Raiders? I feel like people maybe just no watch one. that Broncos game and now think even less of that win for the Raiders. No, oh, yeah. That's, that's a great point. Yeah. It makes the Raiders look even worse. Yeah, no, I don't. I think only professionals, you know, sharps like yourself are going to be betting <laughs> the Raiders. I, that's my only concern is 
is there going to be enough of that sort of action to get this? Is it going to get to seven and a half? I'm not so sure, but I'll probably I mean, hold I, out. you it's definitely not getting under. We hold out until near. Oh, it definitely isn't. So I think if we hold out to close to kickoff on Monday, we could get our seven and a half. And I think we'll also get a higher total, and that's that's when you pounce on the under. Unfortunately, it's tough to take the under. After hey, primetime unders, another one tonight. Another. And I mean, it wasn't even fucking close. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, 42, it closed. It wasn't, it yes, wasn't close yeah. for a second. So, yeah. yeah, I think you wait on both. I think, I don't know if we'll get seven and a half, but I know this total is going to go up. I'm confident in that. Okay. But I will be joining you on the Raiders, and I'll probably be playing the under. All right, there we go. So some agreement on a road division dog. Raiders plus the points to get us out for a Monday. Uh, well, that will get us out on a Monday as we wrap up week five in the NFL. Alex, good stuff, my man. Uh, we'll be talking over the weekend, and uh, let's enjoy a loaded sports month here as the baseball playoffs get started this weekend. College football, obviously, all day on Saturday, and the NFL week five. Uh, already underway, but obviously all the games on Sunday. It'll be fun. Oh, absolutely. Completely loaded spread. This is best time of the year for sports until November when we're going to have the World Cup. That's going to be incredible. That's right. World Cup and the World Series will start November and college basketball will get started. So it's going to be Your is going to be in it with the U.S. national team. Same team time of year. My are my feelings going to be in it with the U.S. National? I mean, I I'm not much of a soccer guy. Are you? <laughs> oh fuck yeah, dude. Okay. I got you. You don't have the bet on the U.S. National Team to win the World Cup. What 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 even are they? Like fifty to one, maybe longer than uh, that. They were they were forty when I took it. They're probably they're probably way longer now. Fuck okay. to see. All right, all right, Alex. I'll talk to you over the weekend. All right, see you, buddy. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven and at full underscore slate underscore pod managing our podcast Twitter. I'm undercover Greg at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. Thanks to everybody for tuning in again. Enjoy all the sports this weekend. This has been full slate, a blue eye gambling podcast. And of course, please play responsibly.